Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Blow up. Welcome to the Thursday, July 23rd edition of Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, and the rookies are reporting today. The today. Let's get excited about this process getting started. We've waited a while for it, and listen, yes, in a, na- in a normal year, We'd hit the ground running next Tuesday. We'd have caps on. We'd have training camp tweets. We're not going to get that. But at the very least, this is the start of the next part of the process. And there will be no preseason games, so it's going to be different. But the concession of the preseason games, giving the players the recommended incubation time to get ready for football and be around each other and get into playing shape, is the sacrifice that we need. And with rookies coming in for their first round of COVID testing today, we have reached kind of the next level of this build-up to football for the Miami Dolphins in 2020. And we're going to celebrate the rookies arriving by doing rookie superlatives today on the show. But before we do, we have a little bit of news, courtesy of one Louisiana offensive lineman, Uh, who got a deal done ahead of today's report date. So let's start with the news that the Dolphins have inked their final rookie. Miami Dolphins rookies will report to Davey for their first round of COVID testing at the team facility today. But just ahead of the deadline to get players into the building, the Miami Dolphins secured their final rookie contract agreeing to terms and signing number 39 overall pick Robert Hunt. Hunt is expected to compete for the starting right tackle position, a job that if he loses will probably result in Hunt still serving in a starting role, only inside playing at the right guard position instead. Getting Hunt under contract ahead of the start of training camp is a big win for the Dolphins, who are one of just a handful of teams who have successfully signed every rookie drafted in the 2020 NFL draft. The drafting of Robert Hunt inside the top 40 picks was perhaps a little bit of a surprise, but this was a player that in the pre-draft process, especially in the eyes of those analysts who are well-connected with NFL circles, did have an outlook that potentially could have resulted in him getting drafted in the first round. And obviously getting picked within the first 10 selections of the second round is a clear indication that all of that smoke regarding Hunt in the pre-draft process, led to some fire. There was an interest in Robert Hunt as a potential first-round pick, and obviously the Dolphins willing to take him where they did, indicates that they view this as a starter sooner rather than later. And the numbers game indicates that while Hunt might not be the most flashy offensive lineman, and he's not necessarily uh, one of the most nimble-footed offensive tackles, He meets all the thresholds that the Miami Dolphins appear to be prioritizing and what they need in starting offensive linemen. The research of of the Dolphins and the players they brought in in the trenches 
indicates that the Dolphins wanted density, they wanted power, they wanted lower body explosiveness, and they want guys that when you watch their film, they're going to move you from point A to point B against your will. And Robert Hunt checked all those boxes, which makes him a fit for the Dolphins and makes it an exciting science experiment to see play out for the Miami Dolphins. Because for how many years did we see the Dolphins attempt to kind of patch together a functional offensive line with bringing in an experienced veteran here, having a young piece here? They're one of the, it was, it's been a position for the Dolphins that you've seen them spinning their wheels and not really going anywhere. So this new approach, that's an across the board theme for the Dolphins. You think about the Dolphins and uh, their success on the defensive side of the football and the regression over the last couple of years on the defensive side of the football. The Dolphins have been a team that, that has featured one of the more underrated and feared pass rushers in the NFL in Cameron Wake for nearly the entire 2010s. And throughout that time, whether it was in Dominican Sioux or Olivier Vernon, the Dolphins always seemed to have a prominent presence opposite Wake or next to Wake on the defensive line. And they never really had the traction that led to a great deal of defensive success. The Dolphins now, they're foregoing all of that effort into star, flashy pass rushers, and they're instead looking at the secondary. And they're trying to get as deep and as stout of a defensive secondary as they can possibly assemble. Coverage over pass rush. So for the Dolphins, looking at Robert Hunt, and while no, he's not the most flashy offensive lineman, he fits the departure from the norm for the Dolphins that we're seeing them implement on a universal effort across the offensive line. Eric Flowers was probably not anybody's top choice to step in for this team at offensive guard. But he too fits that same set of benchmarks that we've outlined that the Dolphins were looking for in all their offensive line. So whether it works or not, we can all appreciate the fact that players like Robert Hunt and Noah Igbenogany serve as clear examples that the Dolphins are trying something different, and they have a vision for what they want to do that is not the status quo that the Dolphins have been spinning their wheels on for the past 10-plus years. We'll get a chance to see that soon enough as the Dolphins rookies report to training camp for their first round of COVID testing today. The soapbox that I just got on was a really enjoyable one for me to to take into consideration and thinking about all the ways that what the Dolphins are doing and how it's different from what the Dolphins have done in the past. And there's no question, the Dolphins are operating from the top down in a very different manner than what we've been accustomed to over the course of the past 10 years. There's clear themes, and you think about the saying, oh, he looks like a a Baltimore Ravens linebacker, right? Or a Seattle Seahawks corner. That's pretty common when you're looking at college prospects and projecting them to the league. Good, Good team building requires consistency and vision between what you think you need, what you target, what you acquire, and how you implement it. 
And some of these teams that have historically had great success, some of it is because they stay tried and true to who they are and who they want to be. The Dolphins are one of those teams that they didn't really know what they wanted to be. They just wanted, they just knew what the final product was supposed to be. They wanted a high-flying passing offense. Well, we'll bring in Joe Philbin from Green Bay. Well, we'll bring in Adam Gase and bring his offense here after working with Peyton Manning. It's not necessarily that simple and straightforward, right? Like, it's from the top down, and that's what's so impactful of seeing the Dolphins kind of shift gears and get away from, oh, here's a big name. Let's bring a big name in. Does he fit the same style? Is he going to compliment the guys he's playing next to? Well, it doesn't really matter. He's a good player. Well, we've now learned over the past 10 years that that does matter, and the Dolphins getting away from that is a big win. So let, let's shift gears here. I want to talk about superlatives for the rookie class. First and foremost, which 2020 rookie is most likely to start all 16 games? In my opinion here, this defers to the guy we just talked about, Robert Hunt. I think Robert Hunt uh, has the leg up because from a numbers game, he's a high investment, but he's not as raw as Austin Jackson is. And he has inside-outside flexibility, so I think that is going to allow the Dolphins to find a combo of the best five available that is inclusive of Robert Hunt. If I had to pick who the next best contender would be, it'd probably be Austin Jackson, just because the Dolphins aren't going to automatically start every game in nickel formation based on what they get from opposing teams. So Igbo... While I think he's going to play a majority of the snaps this year, the amount of snaps that could be qualified as a quote-unquote starter's workload, I don't think he will get, uh, based off technicalities, the recognition of being a 16-game starter because he plays in sub-pack. He's going to play in sub-package. So I think the two tackles are the best bets. Tua is kind of the, the wild card and superlative of... Uh, which rookie would start 16 games because who the hell knows when the Dolphins are going to get him on the field. Um, the durability question there as well is something that has me not ready to put him in the same tier as these two offensive tackles where it's clear the Dolphins need those bodies desperately, at the very least a quarterback. You still got Ryan Fitzpatrick. Which 2020 rookie will have the most net positive impact on the Miami Dolphins. I do think this one is Tua Tungavaloa. Tua at the quarterback position, top five pick. Uh, obviously, the expectation here is large, right? And Tua, because we are now seeing the Dolphins implement a style of offense that is uh, friendly, to just reacting and, and allowing things to happen with your eyes and you know more simplified reads and not so much uh, so not so much at the control module right when you're behind center before the snap and after the snap like what Chad O'Shea had I think we've really positioned to once it is his time to step into the the offense and, and work to just work and just react to things as they happen and let his instinct, his natural instinct as a passer, take over. That, I think, will align him uh, to make big plays. I think when the Dolphins feel he is ready, he will do well. 
Uh, he is the second highest graded passer that I have had over the last two seasons. He is the third highest passer I have graded in the last four seasons. And, you know, I, uh, one of the senior NFL draft analysts at draftnetwork.com, I do about 20 quarterbacks a year. So you're talking out of 80 quarterbacks. He's one of the cream of the crop guys. So I do think Tua will be well positioned to have the biggest net positive impact because of the position that he plays, even if he doesn't play the whole year. Who amongst the 2020 rookies is the most likely to have a Mike Gusecki type trajectory where we're at this time next year and we're worried about this player. And then you get to the end of year two and suddenly we feel a little bit better about this player. I think this might be Raekwon Davis uh, just because Raekwon coming out of Alabama was not charged with playing in attack mode a lot. He was play, charged with playing control at the line of scrimmage more often than not. And if the Dolphins want to implement Raekwon Davis in more of a penetration-style role, there may be a little bit of incubation time for him to, to wake up that component of his playing style. And obviously, you know, he's a late second-round pick, on a defensive line that's going to have Emmanuel Agba, Christian Wilkins, Devon Godshall, Shaq Lawson, a bunch of depth that may ultimately keep him off the field uh, and prevent him from getting the game reps that he needs uh, to get into that penetration slash pass rush style role. I hope I'm wrong, but if you if you ask me who's the player that you know, maybe we have some apprehension about after the first year, especially because Raycon was the pick that you know, people wanted to see go towards a running back, whether it was trade up for J.K. Dobbins or Cam Akers or, or any of those guys. And the Dolphins kind of went the complete opposite direction and went with another trench guy when they had invested quite a bit in free agency into bringing in uh, starting caliber players. Well, Dolphins are, are prioritizing depth, and that's perfectly fine. But I think that is, and for me personally, Gasecki was um, a hard, I don't want to say a hard pill to swallow, but I wanted the Dolphins to take Dallas Goddard that year if they were going to take a tight end. And, and Goddard is working as the tight end two in Philadelphia behind Zach Ertz. And Goddard was a little bit more pro-ready, uh, and I think he was probably a little bit more of a universal player, whether you've got to play him with his hand in the dirt and block uh, coming out of South Dakota State, or you were going to ask him to serve as uh, a flex tight end, much like what the Dolphins ask of Mike Kosecki. So I understand the thought process for Dolphins fans who wanted one of these running backs to be the pick, and it wasn't the player that they wanted. So then, therefore, you know, there is going to be a little bit more apprehension. They're like, all right, like, He's got to prove he can play because otherwise I'm going to say, well, I told you so. They should have taken J.K. Dobbins, who's probably going to be a stud here in Baltimore in two years. Although probably not in year one because he's stuck behind Mark Ingram. Next superlative. Which Miami Dolphins rookie is most likely to suffer the same fate as Ohio State offensive tackle Isaiah Prince, who was a day three selection for the Dolphins in 2019 and was cut before the end of the season? Like, not even put back on the practice squad. Just cut. Um, I will say this, and I admire this about the Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins' management and brass as we have it now 
does not cling to mistakes, right? They, for example, they made the decision to install Josh Rosen into the starting lineup. And after three games of him kind of struggling to play at a level that was going to allow the Dolphins to evaluate the rest of their offensive players and pieces, they benched Josh Rosen. The Dolphins drafted Isaiah Prince in the fifth round, and he was so bad that the Dolphins decided to cut him in favor of adding additional pieces in hopes of getting players uh, that had a better chance of long-term success. The Dolphins, despite drafting Michael Dieter in the third round of the 2019 NFL Draft, and seeing a very irregular uh, level and quality of play, some of that which was Dieter's fault, and some of that which was, I think Dieter was in a very bad situation with the players who surrounded him, the Dolphins didn't bank on Dieter and just say, well, we used a third on him, so he's going to have to start, so let's not bring in too many guys on the offensive interior. No, they went above and beyond. Karras and Flowers in free agency, Three offensive linemen in the draft, two with the ability to play inside. I admire that about the Dolphins. Because that's how, you know, when, when you take into consideration this is a, a player development style of coaching. And they're going to bank on their players getting in-house and becoming better with time. Not banking on a player improving at a certain rate and continuing to improve the competition within that room and everybody getting better because of the competition, is how you suddenly have a deep roster, which is something the Dolphins haven't had in a long time. The Dolphins at this point, along their offensive line, probably have the most promising depth, I won't say the highest level of play, but the most promising depth that they have had in quite a while. And it's because they weren't shy, and they didn't cling to, well, we drafted Michael Dieter in the third, so we have, let's check that box. No, we need, to, we need to continue to improve this until it becomes a strength of our team. So which rookie is most likely to suffer that fate? i can tell you who it won't be. It won't be Blake Ferguson, the long snapper. Don't think it's any one of these early, day th- or early, early picks, the top six of Tua or Jackson or Igbo or Robert Hunt or Raekwon or Brandon Jones. I don't think it's going to be either one of any one of those guys. Malcolm Perry doesn't really count. I don't count a seventh round pick that went at 246 overall. I'm sorry, I don't. Most of these guys end up get a lot of these guys, I should say, end up getting cut, maybe making the practice squad. The player I was lowest on, if we're going to look at the day three guys, I wasn't crazy about Kindly and I wasn't crazy about Jason Strobridge. I thought Strobridge was a little bit of a tweener. Man, flip a coin between Kindly and Strobridge. I think they all make the team. I don't think you'll see a player fall into the Isaiah Prince fate. Uh, But I do think it's at least worth mentioning that Strobridge and Kindly amongst the day three, early day three guys, that like it would be a surprise for this player to be cut and not like one of the last picks in the draft kind of guy with Malcolm Perry. Uh, either one of those guys, if Dieter comes in and plays lights out. And Donnell Stanley, the UDFA, turns out to be kind of this hidden gem that some people seem to think he can be. And then you got, you know, Jesse Davis and Eric Flowers and Ted Karras 
and Karras locks down the starting spot. Let me say, I'll say kindly because kindly doesn't really have positional flexibility. I'll go with kindly over Strobridge. I don't think it happens, but there's at least a path with the amount of investment that the Dolphins have made where we could, they could say, yeah, well, you know what? It's probably not going to work out. We got better depth. We got more positional flexibility without you. Don't expect it, but I did want to recognize it as a superlative. Our last one is kind of an interesting one. Which rookie is most likely to touch the football most in 2020? Well, think about it. You've got a potential return man in Malcolm Perry on special teams if he locks down both punt and kick return duties. You've got a snapper in Blake Ferguson who on every special teams play, he's going to touch the football. You've got some defensive players in Brandon Jones and Igbo, though I don't think they're going to have serious consideration here, or Tua. Depending on how many games Tua ends up starting, it might end up playing into Blake Ferguson's hands or Malcolm Perry's hands. I think it'll still be Tua. I think he starts half the year, he's going to touch the ball because he will touch the ball on every snap, whether he's throwing or handing it off. But I wanted to tease you guys a little bit at the end of the show with just a little bit of a thought provoker that maybe it could be somebody else. I hope you guys enjoyed rookie superlatives in honor of rookies reporting to camp today for their first round of COVID testing. With any luck, the Dolphins will have a full, clean bill of health and uh, their players can get into the building and start working towards the 2020 season without any hiccups or uh, any sort of uh, pulling back uh, of certain players and having to, to force anyone to sit in quarantine and obviously uh, keeping their health in mind. Uh, we're hoping for a clean bill of health for all of the Dolphins rookies and all of the Dolphins as they report over the next week. Look forward to talking with you guys tomorrow. One more show this week, Kyle Krabs. Locked on Dolphins. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins for all of your Dolphins needs. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk with you guys again tomorrow.